0: He's been putting in work for so long. Putting a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 107 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. We are powered by Audio-Technica, and this week, it's Chris Reagan on the show. We had a really great conversation this weekend just gone. I only discovered Chris through becoming a co-host on Sacred Symbols, Colin Moriarty's PlayStation podcast. And I really became a fan of his through that, but it's through his YouTube channel that he's become successful and famous on the internet as a, I guess, comedian, some people would say, a satirist, a musician, all of the above. He does YouTube videos, often making fun of political perspectives, social issues, a lot of things that people care about, that people get upset about. But hey, he's there to make people laugh and he has a very entertaining style of video editing and presentation and everything that he does there. He brings to Sacred Symbols, which is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to every week. So it was fantastic to talk to Chris about how he got into the YouTube world. He's been there for quite a long time. His videos often get over a million views. He's had videos with several million views and pretty much everything he puts up gets at least kind of 200, 300, 400,000 hits, which is pretty cool. And that's his full-time job. He's also supported through a Patreon And speaking of which, we now have a Patreon for 8-Bit. If you missed last week's, you can now support us in that endeavor to make the 8-Bit Collective's content even better than it is now. We've hit our first stretch goal, which means the 8-Bit cast, the conversational podcast, will be fortnightly instead of monthly. I'll be hosting a future episode of that in just a couple of weeks. And if we hit our next stretch goal of, I think, $300 a month, I'll be starting a new comedy rewatch podcast comedy rewind which will take a look back at some of our favorite films from the 1990s breaking them down how they've holed up what they would be like if they were made today and all that kind of fun stuff so that'll be great if we can just hit that monthly amount so thank you to everyone that supported the patreon thank you for tuning in if you are a fan of Chris's and this is your first time listening I have had some of his friends on the show before you might be interested episode 54 with Colin and episode 84 with bunty king so you can check those out if you want but for now here's chris reagan talking all about his life as a youtuber how he got here how he's made it happen enjoy the show chris thank you so much for joining me it's great to have you on the show how's things things are all right you know my computer just died So it's, that's never good.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, it's just the thing I do all my work on. It's not a big deal.
0: Mm. That's your job. It would be like my office burning down at work <laughs> and not being able to do anything for a week yeah, or so to yeah, like fix it. All. Yeah, but
1: it's like your uh, your office burning down and being rebuilt relatively quickly. It's like yes. it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hindrance.
0: Maybe it's like a fumigation process. <laughs> yeah, kind of more like that. Cool. So let's get into you because that's what this episode is about, and I want to know. Just for, I guess, a bit of background, I've come into knowing about you through Sacred Symbols, your PlayStation podcast with Colin Moriarty, which is probably how uh, a lot of people have discovered you, but you that's not really the first thing you've been doing. You've been around for quite a while doing YouTube and, I guess, comedy on the internet. So, I w- want to know how you got into that and how it was YouTube that ended up being the platform for it.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, wow. I think... Um... I feel like I just made a lot of videos on my own, like, back before YouTube was a thing. Like, I would make, like, video High school. Yeah, like, even high school or, like, even elementary school. I think I, I remember back in, like, probably the early 2000s, and I'm 25 now, so that was probably, like, like a, not maybe not 11, maybe, like, 8 or, like, something like 8 to 10 years old. There was this, like, digital blue camcorder, which was, like, this really shitty, like, Nick Jr. editing (laughs) software type deal. Yeah. Uh, And I mess around with that a lot. And so I've been editing since I was like eight. So I've been doing it for a long time and I I really liked it. And YouTube just seemed to be a reasonable place to be, even back in like 2006, just because it felt, back then it felt like more of a social media site. Like you could just share stuff that you made with other people. And I just sort of did that. I didn't really take it seriously until like, 2014, where I saw that it was actually kind of viable. Right. And I was like, oh, I could probably do this, maybe. And then, like, a year later, it actually ended up kind of paying off. I'd been doing kind of uh, political commentary. I would say, if you're more YouTube savvy, with a more kind of normal boots or like a, a Jontron kind of style esque to it, or it's like very heavily. A bit more
0: theatrical? Yeah,
1: more theatrical, very heavily edited. It's It's less kind of a guy giving an opinion and more like kind of like a a bit of a a proper bit of entertainment, or at least I tried to make it like that for a while. Mm, Uh, It's probably only recently, uh, just recently caught up to what I wanted to do. But yeah, and I've just been doing it for a long time.
0: Yeah. So in those years before you realized it was viable, did you have a plan for your career, for your life? Did you want to like work in video otherwise?
1: I remember I had this weird desire to be... Not like a film person, but like to be the 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 kind of guy who made those incredible like bungee vidocs or like the, the a person at a game studio that would be in charge of like media like that. Like, you know, the people who would make these weird kind of – I don't even know what you would call it. Like a film crew at a game dev? That's not really what it is. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to do game dev first, but I, I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> I just couldn't do the math me and my friend uh, who lives in the u k we'd been friends for a long time we tried we actually worked together on a game for a long time in I believe we started working in unity and we got this really great kind of gray box demo running of just first person free running and like like mm. wall running and double jumping and like uh vaulting and it it came out really good and it took us like a year and a half uh but <laughs> But then Titanfall came out, and uh, there's, right. <laughs> there's really no purpose for it. And we were just like, "All right, well, not, we're not going to do this."
0: That sucks. Yeah. I guess that's that's probably the story of so many games that we never find out about. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, exactly. But like the second yeah. I figured out that I had always wanted to do either game development or, or, or film, and I, I went to I studied film for a while, and I I hated it because it's just surrounded by just really pretentious people who couldn't stop talking about Citizen Kane, and it was awful. Right. And you know, I just kind of. Uh, settled into a place where I was like, I could probably do better not spending money on school and just Mm. working on projects and getting a reel out instead of just like spending a bunch of this money on schooling that I don't need. I remember I was I was taking an editing class and I I was so far ahead of everybody else in the class that I just kind of did all my assignments in the first week and I never had to come back again. It was really it was it was really that kind of vibe where I just felt like this is a tremendous
0: waste of time and resources. Yeah, it's a frustrating feeling when you're paying for something like that, and it's really not needed. You just want the the end result, which is the proof that you can do it, the piece of paper that seems to be so important to to industries. Yeah,
1: which isn't even really that important to that industry either. Like, I've I've only kind of, I kind of had a (laughs) a hint of that, like, I kind of knew that back then, but even, like, I know that for sure now, because Mm. I'm looking for editors now, and the last thing I'm looking for... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> is, is for somebody to be like, yo hey, how's it going, man? I got myself a degree in editing like I could yeah. give I could give a shit.
0: Sure. so from there, was it just that you'd been plugging away at YouTube and and saw that it was evolving into something that was viable or did you have a, a, a kind of a decision that you wanted to be this like self-made kind of entrepreneur rather than someone working in Hollywood or whatever it might be otherwise? I definitely didn't
1: want to work for a person. I d- I did like the idea of being kind of uh, self-made, uh, but I wasn't really sure I could do it. I just did YouTube because it was it was a lot of work, but I enjoyed doing it. So it was just kind of this like, oh well, I might as well just do this until I, I make money off it. It Doesn't even have to be a lot of money. I don't I don't really care where I end up as long as I'm you know uh, sufficient to, at, or as or as long as I can like support myself. I'm I'm fine because I like doing this. It was really mm. more that kind, of, like a. I, I'll settle for mediocrity. Is, is really what it is? Like I'm, I'm totally fine with it.
0: Um, it's kind of like I guess the new equivalent of being the band that just plays every weekend and maybe they they work a day at the record store in between to to make some money or they teach guitar. Yeah, and then that was kind of what I they was. They just get by. Was, <laughs> they got some doll- dollars in their pocket. That's enough.
1: Yeah, that was kind of what I was doing. I was I was like doing YouTube and working at Sears. <laughs> Um, that was, that was horrendous. Sears is like the least, I mean, retail in general is pretty awful, but Sears in particular is like a different kind of not fun because it's just normal retail, but you're surrounded by like geriatrics Mm. and just like (laughs) people looking for ball peen hammers. It's, it's really awful.
0: (laughs) We don't have Sears over here, but is it, is it like one of those kind of fake fancy stores where... People in there think that it's classy, but it's really not.
1: no, not even. It's like a department store. There's like you, you can get tools and like bedding oh, okay. and like lawn stuff and like, like lawn mowers and maybe TVs. Oh, it's just one of these like okay. kind of shittier Walmart kind of deals.
0: It's like Target crossed with like hardware.
1: Kind of. It's it's like Target crossed with like. <laughs> Radio Shack, except Radio Shack doesn't sell anything interesting.
0: (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. Okay. So, in all this, we've kind of been talking about editing and film and that kind of thing, but when did you realize that you might actually be a performer as well? Because from the videos that I've watched of yours, it's all built around your own presentation, your even acting style sometimes. Was that ever something that you pursued or? had any lessons in, or was this all just self-taught and developed through getting comfortable in front of the camera?
1: I think it was definitely self-taught. I never had, like, this weird uh, obsession about performing, or, like, I was i was never into, like, drama or, like, theater or mm. anything like that. Um, but I did kind of find myself... I wasn't really a class clown, per se, but I was definitely, like, one of the funnier people in our group, and I kind of noticed that in, in kind of high school, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm kind of funny, I guess. Probably do something with that. And I realized that I was kind of performing a lot anyway, just to make people laugh. Mm. So I was just like, oh, you know, I'm kind of doing a character here. Maybe I can translate it to a video format. And it was really really just it. It wasn't anything that was long in the making or anything.
0: Was it gradual or was there a moment where you kind of had a realization that you're going to start doing something new here and make some money out of it
1: as far as the the character or, or as far as
0: uh... uh yeah character the the channel the kind of the whole chris Reagan thing that we see now
1: well it's it's weird because it's all just kind of like a, a fluke it's it's the character is is just i feel like the character that i am on camera is really just kind of if it's my persona when i'm at a party or when i'm social just like dialed up a little bit it's just like my social face <laughs> kind of right. as opposed to like this is more of my casual kind of like I'm just hanging out phase
0: uh-huh. you must get into a lot of um, arguments if that's your oh like, yeah <laughs> part, if that's your social I get like, into arguments
1: for the amusement of it I don't I got right. into an argument kind of recently like this really heated debate about circuses recently <laughs> because my, what, the circus tent thing? yeah my roommate thought it was really bizarre <laughs> that I had never seen a circus tent. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what's so weird about that. Circus <laughs> tents aren't that common, and it was like this really heated. It wasn't actually genuine; like we weren't like at each other's throats, but there was there's he was mad. There's kind of a there's kind of a performative nature of argumentation that I kind of find a fun, especially when it's like stupid menial subjects like that mm. that um, <laughs> just just
0: sound absurd. Sure, but the videos, at least the ones that I've noticed, have done really well. Have been mostly fairly political or social like talking about social issues and I feel like they're the ones that could get you in trouble at parties or oh, for sure you know I events and uh... that kind of thing so is that your personality just for the content or do you enjoy having those conversations in real life as well
1: oh no I hate I hate politics I don't like it at all <laughs> <laughs> I got into politics specifically because I just thought it was a realm of content that was kind of lacking in the kind of energy that I was putting out like the the, the type mm. of comedy. I it, it feels weird and pretentious saying like oh, the type of comedy that. But like the style <laughs> of it, I just felt wasn't like you, you find this kind of hyper energetic style in in you know video game media a lot. Like there's a lot of game reviewers and like uh, you know content creators who who work with games that kind of have this hyped, argumentative persona. And I guess in politics you have people like that. In this, in the form of like, I guess like Alex Jones and to like and like Jenk uh to point two very opposite ends of the spectrum, but they were always like very serious. There was mm. something very like didactic about it. Like I want to teach you something, and I don't. I never really liked that. Yeah. I, I kind of preferred the almost the John Stewart kind of approach, where it was just kind of like, sure. look at this stupid nonsense, huh? <laughs> you know. And it was just sort of that mixed with just the general kind of YouTube style of just like fast editing. And I don't know, I just, it seemed appealing to me and it seems, uh, <laughs> apparently it was appealing to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. So is that something that you feel like has probably become a, you know, defining factor of a lot of your content now? Is that something it that's because it's been successful, you've done more of it or people just seem to have enjoyed it and you've enjoyed the reaction?
1: I think it's a bit of both. Like I like, I like talking about politics so much as I like kind of seeing the reaction. Like I don't really care all that much. I was never really super political, but like people like that content, and Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, I guess if people like this, I'm not an idiot. (laughs) I'm gonna give the people what I I think they want at least. Um, Yeah. So there was never necessarily the focus to be political. It just so happened that I kind of ended up there. And surprisingly enough, it hasn't actually gotten me, I know, like you were saying earlier, like, ah, oh, it probably gets you in trouble at parties or events. It actually somehow hasn't. <laughs> it's actually
0: baffling right? that it hasn't. Yeah, that does sort of surprise me because I find that even for someone that says they don't like politics, people must see the videos and decide that you're a very political person and even just on Twitter or whatever it might be, must be sending you all these messages about how you're wrong and this is the, the reality about social justice or feminism or whatever it is you might have just done a video on.
1: Yeah, and sometimes I'll I'll have that and it'll be like a video I did like three years ago that I don't remember. Yes. it's like oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. You're like I
0: don't I don't actually care. I'm actually kind
1: of uh, it's weird like those comments. Or those messages don't really bother. Me. Like I don't, I don't care about the messages that I get of, of people like disagreeing with it. That's kind of par for mm. the course. I'm kind of used to that. It almost kind of bothers me more when people message me and are in complete agreement. That that right. that almost weirdly enough is 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 kind of
0: off-putting to me. Is this because of the whole character thing? It's not really how you feel. You're just kind of turning it up.
1: Not necessarily. Just it's not necessarily the the that. It's more so. Just it, it kind of begins to feel like um like you're on a pedestal almost. Mm. That like you're this. Like I've had a lot of people who who t- and I appreciate it, uh, and 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 they'll they'll say like uh, you know oh you you helped me or you inspired me to think critically and it's like I'm not I appreciate that but I'm not <laughs> that's not. At all, what I'm trying, I don't want to be important in that way. Like, that's not the goal here. Right. Like, I want to be just, just a clown, really. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to be this weird voice that, yeah. uh,
0: You don't want to be quoted or. Yeah, I don't want to be your... cited. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't cite me. Uh, yeah. You're not Ben Shapiro. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I I get why people like, and I I really do appreciate it because it's, it's, I mean, it's like anything, like you make something and it it affects people in different ways that you don't really anticipate and it's, it's flattering and uh, humbling, Mm. but it's, it's also like, um, I don't know, there's, uh, there's complicated feelings about it, I think.
0: Mm. And from some of the videos I've watched, you're very, seem very comfortable antagonizing certain people or calling people out or oh yeah, even sometimes being mean to people <laughs> if they, if you think they deserve it, you know? So do you think you need a certain kind of personality to brush off the response that comes from that kind of thing?
1: Do you need a certain uh, kind of personality to brush off the the reaction to being yeah, kind
0: of... Yeah, because... Well, you know there's going to be a reaction where, you know, someone makes a video, you respond to it, they're probably going to respond to you. And like you said, you're not political person you don't want to get drawn into a back and forth of pettiness yeah so how do you avoid that because you know even myself not being I don't like confrontation but I've got into plenty of Twitter discussions I'll say that haven't been worth my time just because oh for sure that's the the way that these things go <laughs> no
1: exactly Twitter is horrendous I think Twitter's to blame for a lot of like everything that's wrong with society right now. But but yeah, I mean, I don't know if it takes a, a certain kind of personality. I, I, I do think being inundated with it a lot kind of helps you get used to it or, or kind of helps mm. steal you to it. Um, I know that the whole response, like if I make a response to someone, I'm not going to get... I'm, I don't have time to sit through like 40 video responses, you know? If, if I'm going to make a video about something that I think is... Or about a a person that I think is particularly, uh, not even necessarily abhorrent, but like offensive to my personal kind of, I I put a lot of value on being consistent and just kind of like standing by what you, what you preach. So when people just kind of, if somebody comes at me and it's personal and, uh, They've made no indication that they wouldn't do that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother getting involved in that. It's like whatever. That's fine. But if somebody's like preaching, like, "Oh, love, let's all love one another," and then they'll come at me like trying to get me fired from my job or something. You know, that's that's another thing. And uh, you know, I think, you know, I think you have to pick your battles. Twitter Mm -hmm. is a place that's particularly devoid of any (laughs) any meaningful discussion. I I I feel like I almost get more annoyed when people misinterpret a joke that I make on Twitter than when people genuinely like disagree with my opinion. Like that bothers me more when they miss <laughs> when they miss a joke. And I'm yep. tempted really, I'm tempted
0: often to be like,
1: no, this is what the joke meant, idiot. <laughs> but I'm like, no, I can't do it.
0: <laughs> That's great. From some of the previous YouTubers I've, I've had on here, uh, even, well, friends of yours and even friends of mine by this point, uh, Bunty King and Colin Moriarty, they've also had kind of political backgrounds on YouTube and they've kind of got burnt out by that, I guess, sphere of discourse and and content and gone back to video games. And I know that you're now doing a lot of video game content with streaming and uh, the podcast that we talked about before, but does that ever happen to you where you wonder, because of the reactions you get, if it's worth it? Or do you think that being able to switch off has enabled you to kind of get through that without feeling that burn?
1: I mean, I think I definitely feel that burn. You know, it's 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 not the reaction so much. It's, it's more just like reading through, like, the worst news every day just gets so jading. Mm. And, you know, like a video, uh, like a, a headline that I read today uh, that I kind of scoff at, and I'm like, ah, whatever, that's par for the course. Like, in 2016, I, that would have been, like, a huge deal. You know what I mean? Like, I would have made a video on a single article because it's just back yeah. then it back then, it's kind of weird to think about 2016 as being a less crazy time, but it, but like <laughs> it really kind of was. like there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff now that I read that just doesn't phase me like it would have back then. and I think yeah. that's also kind of part of the kind of this the stealing process, kind of like getting yourself kind of so accustomed to this that you're not really sure where to go. like the bar is so high now for for you to talk about something. Especially when, in my case, I've, I've kind of said all I really needed to say, like all I needed mm. to say about anything that I've given a shit about, you know? Like if you need, sure. if you need, if you want my opinion on it, se- like I, I kind of said this recently, like I, it was some Twitter discussion that I was in, but like somebody was asking me why I didn't make a, a video on s- something that was in the news. I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember being like, you could actually straight up just edit clips together, like entire segments of previous videos together that I've already done and
0: and get my opinion now like you don't like I don't need to reiterate it <laughs> yeah you could definitely stitch together content yeah especially like, with the, yeah. the cycle the cycle that it's just like the same story over again
1: yeah it's it's a lot of the stories in the news are kind of just the same thing repackaged and I I, I don't I don't find that there's much value in repeating my opinion because the like my content's not really about my opinion you know what I mean it's it, mm. it really is more about like oh if, can I make this entertaining? And if I have to reiterate myself it's it just comes across as like I don't know it, it it's almost like reusing a joke or siphoning from a previous script almost where it just kind of feels lazy to me and I I can't bring myself to do it. That's kind of why content is it's, so it's, scarce is because I'm I'm weirdly picky about this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask is this the reason that videos seem to be more infrequent than probably a lot of youtubers at your size
1: yeah i think the bar is a little bit higher when you get to a certain point i think um just that
0: quality over quantity yeah
1: i'd like to think of it that way i think um if i'm gonna make something now i want it to be rewatchable. i like because i can't i i don't i really don't care about like sitting in front of a camera just giving my opinion because nobody's gonna watch that again like you know nobody's gonna be like oh you remember that video where like he gave his opinion like no no one's going to no <laughs> one's going to go back to that in like a few years or like a even a few weeks and i want to kind of do more stuff that's a little bit more evergreen and the tricky yeah. part about that is like when you're doing evergreen content about current events you have to make it entertaining and mm-hmm. to make it entertaining you kind of have to keep yourself moving forward and not get stagnant i know that's not typically the youtube mindset the youtube mindset is kind of you find something that works and then you do it. But I kind of want to keep pushing things. Like I remember like uh, when I, f- I rented a studio out to do this weird video in like a big white void. And I remember that was like a big thing for me because I was like, oh, yeah, it's a studio. This is-, this is fun. And I liked it. I had a lot of fun. I I, I <laughs> wouldn't have had as much fun if I was just sitting in front of my desk again, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I also wonder like... Is this a sign that you're at, at a certain level that you don't need to pump content out like you might have used to? Like, I guess as long as you're getting the revenue you need from videos, is that all that matters as far as how often you put them out and that kind of thing? Because I imagine if a lot of people in, in your position might feel like they have to do two videos a week because that's oh, what yeah. they need. To, to make their living, but you've obviously reached a position where that's not an issue. Well, I,
1: I, it, it kind of is. Like, YouTube doesn't pay as much as it, as it used to. Patreon's obviously taking a huge hit. Like, I could absolutely make way more money if I just did the stuff that I used to do that wasn't as, you know, labor intensive, that wasn't, that didn't require, like, Camera people, hmm. or like, <laughs> or any of that, you know. But I, I just feel like it's, um, I, I, just, I don't, it, it, it does, it doesn't motivate me. Like that's not motivating to me. Like I, I'm fine where I'm at. Like I don't need more than I have. Like I, I'm pretty comfortable. I could yeah. get more. I could be swimming in money right now if I just made like a video every day of me just like kind of talking. Um, but that's not what I want. So yeah, yeah, and style. that's not to dog on that style of content i mean phil defranco is actually uh one of the better daily uh content creators but that's also because he has a team of editors working for him uh and a whole team of people researching and like he's he's got a whole staff you know i'm just i'm just a guy here yeah (laughs) i mean i recently i'm looking (laughs) for editors now and i recently kind of got a camera person but it's still really me so it's still a really small operation and i i just i feel like i just want to make just better stuff as a yeah, as opposed to sure. more stuff.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And y- you mentioned, I guess, the nature of YouTube, and now I'm interested in talking about the business side of that and how that's evolved. Like since that day that or that time that you realised it was viable to make that your job, or it then turned into a career. How has that ev- evolution taken place? As you've seen, you know, the views go up. You've had v- uh, videos that have hit, you know, millions of. Of views, which is pretty amazing. And just that whole experience of, of growth as you've been using the platform. And then eventually, I don't know if you'd call it, you know, the opposite of growth now, but it's certainly changed. Oh yeah, over for sure. Time. I
1: think, um, I mean, the platform's like way, way different. Uh, I think even before I started like way back in 2011, the model was very, very view based. So you would get paid hmm. based on how many views you got, which was, which is pretty incredible because that meant that, you know, short form content that took a long time to make was actually worth it. That's that was back when animations really flourished on YouTube, back when back when that was the model. Right. Um because people could spend, you know, several months working on a project, put it out and then as long as it was good and entertaining, the audience would basically dictate how much money that that person got paid. But now it's like Based on watch time, so there was a there was a push to get people watching as many minutes of YouTube for long, as long as possible. Yeah. So the the push was obviously for ten minute ten, ten minute videos, the whole like ten minute one second video meme <laughs> that, was, that was going around for a while, because people just like needed to stretch their content out to ten minutes to get even a fraction of the revenue that they would. It's it's a crazy difference between like a six minute video and a ten minute video. It's actually it's actually wild, but you know aside from that. Those are the biggest changes, but I, I'd never been motivated by that necessarily. You know, the growth is is pretty wild and I, I'm I'm super thankful for it and it was it was insane to see a video of mine get a million views and then two and then three and it's like, what is this? Especially because that was like a song that I wrote in like a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, it's it's definitely changed. I think the platform's getting a lot more what's strict, I guess, is the best word that I can think of at the moment with what with with what yep. is allowed and, you know, what what can get on trending and what can be in people's subscription fee. I'm pretty sure the team YouTube Twitter has me, like, blocked or something or, like, has me, like, muted uh, for some reason, which is irritating because I've definitely, like, reached out yep. to them and they've only responded when other people respond to me and tag them.
0: Yeah, it's so strange the things that they decide are breaching... Yeah their standards and whatever, like things that make no sense at all. I have friends that do a conversational podcast and they would just upload the audio. And then one day uh, after I was a guest on there and I know there was nothing really bad on the episode. Yeah. I was on there, but it was just gone. And they said it was like violating whatever. And it's like the amount of crazy crap that's on YouTube and they banned this podcast. It's it's not make any sense at all. And then there's no like customer service. There's no like, way to deal with a, a human being, to uh, appeal it, and...
1: It's really... Yeah. The platform's really kind of frustrating to be on, and, and that's... I feel like that's also kind of another reason why uploads are a little bit more scarce, It's just because, like, it gives me a chance to work on a bigger project, but also it gives me less time to deal with the bullshit yeah. that the site has just so, so regularly incurred on me. Yeah.
0: But what happens then if, if you work on something for a really long time, and then... Like, for example, I know Collins' Spider-Man review was up for like an hour and then because of, I don't know, copyright strike with the footage, it was taken down on the day of release and lost, you know, what could have been a ton of views. So there's also, you know, you're also at the mercy of these bots that troll for copyright strikes and infringements or whatever. So that must be really... Kind of frustrating oh, for sure. That's another level too. of uh,
1: that's another level of concern too. That that's that's the double edged sword of it is like, or like the catch twenty two of it. It's like, yeah, I get to uh, avoid YouTube's bullshit as regularly, but when I put something out, it it means like twice as much or like three times as much because it needs yeah. to. This one needs to pass the monetization or, but it's fine typically because you know I'm I'm patron supported, so like every video that I make is you know I I, I earn yeah. revenue from it regardless of whether or not um youtube monetizes it it would be nice if youtube could monetize it but you know i i still i'm still seeing some returns from it and i I also like obviously there's you know shirts and like merchandise like the basic diversifying strategy sure where it's
0: like that sounds really important
1: yeah absolutely you got to make sure you got to make sure that anything that you like if you're making something especially on youtube and you're trying to make money you have to make sure that YouTube isn't the only way that you can be making money off of that thing that you're putting out. So, mm. you know, merchandising helps, uh, Patreon helps, uh, back in the day I used to do music and I would, I would, I would sell that and, you know, it was a whole process. Yeah.
0: So in those early days when you're going from like tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to, to millions of views, were you like analyzing which videos did well and trying to tailor your content to appeal to more people or was it just really making stuff that you thought was good and that you expected other people would enjoy as well
1: it was a little bit of both i think i think when i i noticed that people liked when i people really liked the song parody style like the yeah. that the the musicals that i would make People really like those a lot, so I, I stress a lot about those. I'm still stressing out about it because <laughs> I'm working on one that I'm like. The problem is like when I made those musicals, and these are the these are the main videos that I have on my channel that break a million like consistently. Yeah. And the the worry is, I like doing them a lot, but every time I make one now, the expectation is it needs to be deserving of a million or more views and if it doesn't get a million views then it's a failure and it and it's going to look mm. embarrassing next to the rest of them so so there's this weird kind of um i don't know why i think that it's a benchmark yeah, yeah it's weird um i'm trying to it's like psychosis almost <laughs> it's like really not helpful to think that way but it re- it really is just kind of like a thing where and, and the site's so different now like i don't even know if they would promote it in the same way that They've promoted mm-hmm. it in the past. Like, I think one of the most frustrating, I think one of the most frustrating things about the site is that whether your content fails or succeeds isn't really up to you, like it right. used to be. I mean, it, it kind of never was. There was always an algorithm present, but I would argue back in 2016, 2015, uh, even 2017, and now to a lesser extent, but definitely back then. If you made content that was good, it would absolutely find an audience. Whereas, like now, I'm not even I'm not even really all that sure. Mm. Like it, it. I feel like now it really has to. Now you really have to, you know, tailor yourself to the algorithm. Whereas before, yeah. there was a chance you could you could get picked up by it or, or even like stand out on your own. But it's a, it's a way different platform now.
0: And you've got your own following now that's enough to I guess make a video do well but to really hit those high marks you need something to go viral beyond just your supporter base
1: i mean even even with my following even like with my following it's like sometimes the website doesn't let my (laughs) subscribers know that a video's out or like sometimes it sometimes the the video will glitch and it'll uh only upload the or it'll only play the first five minutes or so it's it's Mm. crazy like there's like a, a bunch of weird issues with the, site. sometimes people will click subscribe and it won't work. Or sometimes people click the bell, which is like the actual subscribe button and it still won't work. And it's, it's, oy, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a nightmare. Like the, under the hood, the site is a, a, a complete joke. Mm. Like I'm actually astounded that it's, uh, <laughs> that it manages to function at all.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's always hard to imagine these huge websites or companies being beaten by a rival. Like, you know, Facebook, Google, YouTube. Yeah. And, you know, it was like that when other platforms were at the top, when there was MySpace or whatever it was. But with the amount of issues that YouTube has, you can kind of see how someone else might be able to do a better job than what they're doing and everyone switch over one day. But who knows? I,
1: I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's they've cemented themselves as the video sharing site. And also, it's just so expensive like the i can't even imagine the cost that that youtube like how much youtube must cost to run is actually is probably so much that it would probably make your actual brain melt like yeah. it's actually probably <laughs> mind-boggling yeah. and I, I as far as i understand uh, this might not be true um, anymore but i remember it, it was true at one point that google was operating youtube at a loss strictly because advertising money was j- just enough to just to mm. justify its existence
0: um well, there were and, no ads for a long time as well, and they were still paying people like you. Ads, yeah, you know, content creators, and I'm sitting there going, well, "Where does the money come from?" But I guess it's, it comes it's, from Google. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird, but it's it's
1: really unlikely, especially now, because back in the day, like websites like this would get replaced all the time. Mm. Like there was Friendster, and then there was MySpace, and then there was Facebook. But as soon as Facebook came. And as soon as Twitter came, and as soon as YouTube came, I would I would argue from two thousand six to two thousand eight, all those sites are kind of all the sites that were victors back then are still kind of, are still around, yeah. like and they haven't gone anywhere, like they used to. Like there, there used to be a lot of different websites to watch videos on. There used mm. to be a lot of different websites to make like friend profiles on. But like now, it really is just Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And I think that's just because the period of time that those sites came out was super advantageous because, you know, a bunch of kids are getting into tech and, and you know, they don't necessarily want to change to a new site all, all the time and, like, adults are getting into it. It was it was a good time for, like, uh, nerd culture and, like, uh, video games and, like, kind of this interest in the internet in general. Mm. So now people are so connected to those brands, they just, they're not going to leave them. And yeah. they're so influentially large that they can't be really competed with at all it'd be like it would be like if radio shack tried to make a a video game console you know what i mean it's it's like how you you can't compete with microsoft sony and nintendo maybe amazon could maybe apple could but those are really the only those are really the only players in the game that could even come close yeah yeah and even
0: that's an if yeah i also think that the demographic of people using social media has expanded over the last 10 years where yeah. there's now like my grandma and my mom are using it. And then there's kids like 10 years old on Instagram and whatever. And that has affected, Yeah, you know, while these all these platforms are still viable, the people using them has changed. So Facebook is kind of a, more of an older person's thing as far as the kids are concerned. And they've moved over to Instagram and Snapchat, which weren't, you know, yeah. there in 2009. 2008 yeah but nah. but
1: instagram is owned by
0: facebook yeah
1: <laughs> so it's like yeah. it's this whole it's just this whole cycle again and vine mm. came out and died you know yeah was a bunch weird,
0: of it seemed really like i thought it seemed really popular
1: vine was super popular but yeah. there was no way to monetize it right <laughs> it just couldn't be monetized mm. nobody's gonna watch an ad for six seconds of content <laughs> it's, just, it's actually kind of uh it's actually kind of obvious yeah that that would have happened to Vine, but Vine that's was great. fun for a while. It was a nice little period of time, it nice was. little innocent period of time before, you know, that
0: whole crew and invaded YouTube. That's it. So sacred symbols. Let's talk yeah. a bit more about this because that's probably where a lot of my listeners know you from, being more of the you know game community that I'm part of, and you've mentioned having an interest in games and development and that kind of thing but when did you come into contact with colin as the you know he's got this legacy in, in playstation world from ign and beyond and then ps i love you was kind of funny did, were you a follower of his how did you actually become acquaintances or friends
1: yeah i i was aware of him for a while i i'm sure like most people i'd watched um, ign a lot and I had uh, I had seen him around. I had seen his podcast every now and again. I was never really, uh, like, a, a PlayStation, like, loyal person. So I didn't really tune into any specific podcasts. Yeah. But I remember seeing his name a lot, and I remember uh, seeing him around a decent amount of time. I remember when he, he was with Kind of Funny, and he was a part of Rooster Teeth for a little bit. Uh, that was pretty wild, because I'd followed Rooster Teeth for a long time. And, you know, I think he reached out to me, I can't even remember why. I think I think probably because he was in the middle of doing a lot of political content, and I so was I. Mm. And he reached out and and thought like, oh, this would be a good person to interview for. I believe I was on his uh, Fireside Chat. Right. Um, was it through and,
0: Lacey? Is that where you guys crossed paths first through Lacey?
1: You know, I don't think so. I think I, okay. I think I met him first. Okay. But <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> it's actually kind of weird to think about it, but. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, we, we just kind of hit it off and um, it was just a good interview and we had, a, we had a good time. And he reached out to me like a year later or like several months later and was, was just like, hey, uh, I know you have an interest in games because you tweet about it a lot. Uh, I have something I want to talk to you about. And I was really confused when he pitched it to me because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not – like, I like PlayStation, and I play PlayStation a lot, but I've also kind of, like, dogged on PlayStation a lot. Like, I've poked
0: fun at them quite a bit. Which, you know, you mentioned not being a big listener of his content, but if you were, you'd know that he has done that as well. You know, No, someone, yeah, exactly. When you, when you love something, you care about it, and you make fun of it as well. No, so. yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but, like, it, it was just strange because I had built this kind of... Uh, the biggest video game community you know that i'm a part of as far as like content creation or anything is like i'm i'm very well connected with a, a group of halo content creators which is a specifically xbox brand yeah so like i and I, and he said like oh i saw you tweeting about halo do you want to come on my do you want to be my co-host for this playstation podcast <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a very weird uh idea and he pitched two things to me. He was like, "Oh, we could do a general gaming podcast, or we could do a PlayStation podcast." And I thought, "Well, there's like a million general gaming podcasts, mm. so let's just do the one that will probably stand out the most." And and we just kind of did it. And uh, I was pretty nervous about it because I'd never done podcasting for—I'd never done consistent work like that. Yeah, you know, it, it had always been like I had a—I have a podcast, but it's more of a whenever the hell I feel like it kind of deal. Sure. Um, so the idea of doing a consistent weekly show based on a brand that I'm familiar with, but, you know, not super loyal to, um, <laughs> in this industry that I'm only vaguely knowledgeable in, and I think maybe I was underestimating myself there, but, you know, I I wasn't a game content creator, really. So it was, it was pretty worrying, uh, but we somehow managed it. It somehow, (laughs) somehow works. It's doing well. (laughs) Yeah. It's not doing too shabby.
0: It's his most downloaded podcast out of a series of highly downloaded podcasts. So it's, it is doing well. I think you should. Yeah. No,
1: I'm pretty, pretty uh, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty proud uh, that I somehow managed to come in every Monday and not make an idiot of myself.
0: Mm. It's pretty wild. Saying that you were nervous was part of that being that, there's such a rabid fan base and, you know, Colin's got these loyal group of followers who've been around PlayStation and that ecosystem for so long. Was there an element where you were hoping that they wouldn't kind of, I don't know, you you might've felt like they might see through that you weren't this expert, like, like him and, and call you out for that, even though that's not how you were trying to portray yourself.
1: I was worried that I was worried more about being seen as like not a scab, necessarily, because that's that's not really an apt analogy. But, like, I was worried about f- seeming like a replacement. Because mm. I know that a lot of um, people who might have been expecting a PlayStation podcast would have been expecting, you know, Colin to co-host with his previous co-hosts. And I was uh, worried that maybe the reaction... To me specifically, because you know, I was I wasn't worried worried about Colin's fan base. Mm. I was worried about the people who might have objected to me, like who might have been like, "Oh, this person makes unsavory content. What's what's Colin doing? <laughs> Working with him, especially because the gaming industry in general is like you know not necessarily all that. I don't want to say. Uh, I'll say it. it. They're not really all that thick-skinned when it comes to this kind of thing." So sure. you know, the, there's a lot of like crazy harassment campaigns. It's like all sorts of shit that happens, like for real.
0: Mostly on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Mostly on Twitter, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: But like, it was also it, I was worried about it, um, mm. but it apparently it just didn't wasn't even on any lists of complaints or anything. It was it's kind of yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. There's always uh, we've only we're only in our first year, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who knows?
0: <laughs> there's plenty of controversy to come. Is that what you say? <laughs> oh, definitely, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. And I guess learning more about PlayStation as you've been doing that, has that been something that's been a focus or that's come naturally as you've been discussing it every week? Has that been a focus for you to want to actually bring some kind of knowledge or nuanced opinion to to these topics?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I definitely have read up a little bit more on it. Like I was, I was a PlayStation fan back in the day. I just really fell off on the the PS3 Mm. era. There was like something about I remember the PS3 launch, and it was, like, launched with Talladega Knights or something ridiculous. Like, it the, was... It, the,
0: it was what, the Will Ferrell movie? Yeah, it was,
1: like... I remember seeing, like, a launch bundle. Maybe, maybe this is, I'm misremembering this, but I remember, I remember there were bundles of PS3s that came out back in the day with, like, a Blu-ray of Talladega Knights. And I remember wow. thinking, like, what is, what is this? What is happening? And it just felt like... Uh, just that brand had been just continuously, like, moving away from the things that I liked about it. Like, they had been mm. moving away from, like... The PS1 is, like, my favorite console ever. Yeah, It's such a good system. It's got so much good shit on it. And the PS2, I liked a little bit less, but I still really liked. And the PS3 was just like, Heavy Rain! Uncharted! And I was like, where's my, uh, where's my stylized stuff? And yeah. it just felt weird. You
0: wanted the fun to come back. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's honestly it's it's still kind of missing like that that at least that visual kind of you know variety we get a lot of like third person action games that are like really realistic and gritty we don't really get a lot of uh medievals anymore you know (laughs) um and i kind of missed i kind of missed that but they're definitely in a better state now than they than they were (laughs) Um, yeah there's
0: probably a reason for that but But yeah
1: so it's i think it was just that interesting history that that it had that got me to kind of like read up on it a little bit more i rarely i'm not going to try to make myself sound uh more knowledgeable than colin because colin's like basically autistic about it (laughs) he's like he has like so much like weird knowledge about like uh these japanese studios that i can't even pronounce and like who's who's <laughs> at what position where and like what year did this engine come out and it's like okay well mm. you got all this
0: covered by yeah i mean it would it would be like him trying to talk youtube with you like even though he's a youtuber he hasn't got the you know the pedigree the <laughs> i mean maybe <laughs> <that> you do <laughs>
1: i don't know it's it's uh yeah i try to i try to just have fun and be like kind of not necessarily a, a comedic relief, but I try to set the tone, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it works really well because obviously people tune in to hear Colin's thoughts and his opinions and his interpretations of, of the news, and he's been that voice for PlayStation fans for so long now. Yeah. But I think he need, he does need someone to uh, bring out his, his comedic side because he's a funny guy, but having you there I think really does well to to do that.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it.
0: That's all right. So what would you say has been the hardest part for you getting to the point you're at where, you know, you've got the Patreon, you've got the YouTube, it's all a success as far as you're making a career out of it, but what's been the greatest challenge to overcome in those uh, years?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I just feel like just getting used to the idea that you're your own boss is actually like really strange.
0: And be self-motivated, yeah. it's
1: it's a lot of self motivated. You can't really penalize yourself because why would you? You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of
0: mm.
1: there's a lot of discipline that needs to be learned when you're doing that kind of thing, and uh, I'm not sure that I've been able to retain as much of that discipline as I would have liked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 tricky. It's really easy to get burned out when you're handling absolutely everything about a business. Yep. And uh, a lot of people don't really see that when they're watching content. They're just kind of like seeing the output. They're not really seeing the, the dozens of hours that goes into like writing, editing, and then even just on the back end, making sure the metadata is okay by YouTube standards, that it won't get flagged or, or making sure that, you know, uh, just it's a, it's a really – it really is kind of like a house of cards every time mm. you make something. And I think getting used to that isn't really possible. And uh, I've—it's definitely been difficult to just kind of get myself into that mode where I'm like, okay, yes, this is—I finally got a handle on it now. I still don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just sort of bumbling around, and by some miracle,
0: it's—it's uh, it's turned out all right. Yeah, I feel like it would be really hard to be also like self-analytical of what's working and what's not working and not getting too caught up in like the analytics of it like you mentioned before with feeling pressure to hit certain points and I, I feel like that would be such a, a challenge because you haven't got someone that's doing like a like YouTube doesn't sit you down every year and do an appraisal of what you're doing well and how you could improve so you kind of have to make all those judgments yourself right
1: yeah and it, and it makes it even worse when like I said earlier when your failures and successes aren't even necessarily up to you. Mm. Like it, it, it could literally just be like, I've had a lot of people tell me, I've had a lot of people like specifically link me one video in particular, um, that they say, this is the best video you've ever done. I'm a, I love this. And it has like compared to the stuff around it, fewer views. And it's like, well, but it has more engagement. But that doesn't work with how the algorithm works. If the algorithm was working the way it normally works, more engagement would drive it into the recommendeds more. Mm. So, like, it's it's just entirely – it just feels entirely random. And a success could be as punished as a failure could be. Or, uh, you know, I'm using success and failure in, like, really harsh terms. It's not necessarily a <laughs> failure or success. But, you know, it's oh, it's, it's hard true. to get motivated when you when you don't know what the hell – works Mm.
0: you know okay so what would be your advice to people who want to like get into youtube as a career the way you have because obviously it's a very different place to when you started out but do you think that starting from scratch there are opportunities for people to do that with how youtube is now
1: i think so i think there's always opportunity like i remember thinking (laughs) this is kind of hilarious but i remember thinking in 2008 I remember when I was, I think, two years into my channel, I was like, man, I'm really late to this game.
0: <laughs> in, like, 2008, you know? Uh, A lot of people didn't even know what it was still. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it's... <laughs> but even in 2013, when I, or 2014, when I started taking it seriously, I'm like, man, I'm really late to this. I'm probably not... This probably isn't going to work. There's already all sorts of content out there. But, like, it it works out. Like, as long as you've got something it'll chances are it'll find an audience I, st- I still think that's true um i just think you can't rely solely on youtube to make people aware of it or to earn a living off it i think you have to diversify mm. a lot you have to be smart about how you uh you know what kind of content you make you have to be smart about the meta, the metadata that you use, you have to be smart about your descriptions and your titles and your thumbnails. It's just, it's all very meticulous, but it's, it's, if I said it was undoable, I would look like an idiot in two years (laughs) when there's like (laughs) 400 different YouTubers uh, that we're not even, we probably don't even know about right now who are like at at the top, you know?
0: So what's the, the main thing that you advise people when they come to you and say, how can I make this work?
1: Diversification is super important. Like, absolutely diversify. Don't rely on it solely. Diversification is important, but also make sure you want to do it because it's 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 a lot harder than it seems. It seems like a really like easy kind of like job to do, but I assure you, it's not. Mm. And if you don't genuinely want to do it, you will be miserable. (laughs) (laughs) It's like anything. Like, you don't want to be the last thing you want to do is be successful at something that you that you hate. You know, because then you're like obligated to continue doing it. Sure. Even though you hate it. So it's like, just really, really make sure that it's, it's something that you're, make sure it's something that you would do even if you weren't making money on it.
0: Yeah, that's good advice. And when you say diversification, is that simply merchandising, Patreon or some kind of support base? It
1: it could be anything else. I would say just Mm. don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, make sure that you know, if you're going to do YouTube, make sure that your YouTube links to other things. If you have other interests or other hobbies, maybe you like to, I don't know, maybe you make things. Maybe you're like a, uh, a prop designer or maybe you uh, are a musician. Maybe you uh, are an artist. Put the, Make that part of your content or, or put it in the description or, or something because there will be people who support you enough who are interested in, in those things too. They might be like smaller niches of people, but um, they're there. And they're always interested. I still get people uh, every day, like a, a small uh, group of people, just buying music that I made probably wow. six years ago. I still get emails about like, "Hey, somebody bought a somebody bought a tr- a track on Bandcamp, uh, forty five cents or something." <laughs> you know, it's like, you know what I mean? It's it's it's. There's always people who are interested in shit that you're interested in.
0: That's cool. So, last serious question for you. Chris sure if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail what would you do
1: oh my god and know that I wouldn't fail yeah Ooh. oh geez I feel like a bunch (laughs) of shit right I feel like I'd probably like start a band yeah (laughs) if I yeah why not I'd probably start like a like some fucking uh psychedelic rock band (laughs) be wild
0: would you tour nah Nah. If I didn't, if, if I couldn't fail, why would I? True. Why would I tour if I Just couldn't like fail? Just like the Beatles at the end. Yeah, exactly. What else? You sound like you, there was a few things. Oh, no, p- make a game. Yeah.
1: I'd probably like uh, grappling
0: hook game. Definitely.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent multiplayer. A, a multiplayer uh, Spider-Man two with uh, guns. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is what I would make. Uh, no, I don't know. Like, I, like an arena shooter, like type deal, something. Maybe I'd, I'd I'd make like a, a movie. I try to pitch a a show to Adult Swim. Mm. I do a lot of shit. I have a a broad array of interests. I, I'd like to say that I'm very I am very very okay at a large amount of things, yeah. but I am not particularly great at any <laughs> Which of,
0: them. of those 3 things would you feel is the most likely to actually happen?
1: Oh my god. I'm
0: interested in this Adult Swim pitch. Have yeah. you got an idea in the back burner?
1: No, I just feel like I know people who've pitched to Adult Swim and they seem pretty receptive. Hmm. Um, but just, like, the idea of, like, making a show that a lot of people like is, like, really... I just want to make shit that people like, really. Hmm. Like, I think that's really what the the band thing is, too. Like, if I could make music that people really like, or if I could make a show that people really like, or if I could make a game that, like, really resonates with people, like, that's that'd be fucking yeah. awesome. That's really the only...
0: That's really what I want to do. I was just going to say you're podcasting for a, a company that has an animator, so... You never know. Yeah, who knows? And, uh, so the, the last question: How does it make you feel every time you hear "silly, Chris"?
1: Oh my goodness!
0: What goes through your head?
1: <laughs> everything go- everything I've ever thought goes through my head at once. It's actually kind <laughs> it's of light like uh, flashes
0: before <laughs> your eyes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a really it's a really traumatic experience yeah. <laughs> every single time. But hey, man, you know. It's part, it's part of it yeah
0: I, I mean I ask this because every time I hear it I, I laugh but I still don't understand where it came from or why it's so uh, funny
1: <laughs> I <laughs> I don't know where it I don't even remember where it started I, the days are starting to every, every episode is starting to blur together mm. to me where it's like I can't remember the first time
0: that happened it almost sounds like a British gangster you know like here comes silly, here Chris. Comes silly Chris and two hat Johnny yeah <laughs>
1: Oh my God, it's not inaccurate at all.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, th- thanks for coming on the show, man. It's really been great. And uh, you've, you mentioned listening to a few episodes yourself. So thank you for that support. And I hope you uh, continue to do what you're doing because it's, it's great stuff. And I really dig the the podcast with Colin. Listen to it every week. Listen to it early. Listen to it on, uh, on Wednesday over here. And um, yeah, it, it's a definitely a highlight of the week as far as my podcasting content goes
1: well, thanks for having me on I, I really appreciate it it's wild it's it's always weird to get uh, <laughs> it's, it's always weird because I'm like sometimes people are like hey you want to do an interview and I'm like am I inter- am I interesting <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you want to hear it?
0: I guess so I guess so
1: evidently but it's 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 nice I, I really do
0: appreciate it it's cool thank you for listening and thanks to audio Technica you can catch Chris on Twitter at Chris R. gun take a look at his channel over at youtube.com slash chrisraigan and if you want to support this show you can leave an iTunes review or a 5 star rating that really goes a long way to help the show if you haven't done that yet it'd be greatly appreciated you can also check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash weare8bit that's A-T-E-B-I-T and check out the rest of the awesome podcast content from the 8-Bit Collective if you would like to follow me on Twitter I'm at Jono himself and until next week keep putting in work